Hey, welcome to the Word Weaver podcast, a place dedicated to the powerful web words weave and the deep layers they uncover. Here you'll find a compilation of tips, tricks, and words of wisdom from writers, authors, creatives, and entrepreneurs. Basically, cool people doing cool things in the world and how they've used words as weapons of mass creation and inspiration. You'll also hear from me, your host, Louise Johnson. I'm a former marketing maven in New York and Switzerland. I left a lucrative job to follow my dream of becoming a writer. It's a never-ending journey, so I figured we should all be in it together. I've learned a lot along the way, but it's a constant evolution. My favorite part is how little by little, letters turn into words, words become sentences, sentences become paragraphs, and before you know it, you've created something from nothing. And whenever that happens in life, it's nothing short of magic. So grab a coffee or a glass of wine, and let's dive into today's chapter. Hello, welcome to the Word Weaver podcast. Hi, Louise. I love what you're doing on Instagram stories during coronavirus. Yeah, I'm doing an online reading of the first Narnia book, The Magician's Nephew, which a lot of people don't know is the first Narnia book. Um, people think that The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe is, is the Narnia book, but it's actually The Magician's Nephew that is the first uh, book. It's how Narnia came into existence. Um, yeah, so I'm doing a, an online live reading on Instagram, and people are joining me, and I'm doing all the voices. I'm reading it in a British accent. <laughs> um, and uh, I really think that this idea has taken off for me because I've always, A, I've always loved reading books out loud. I used to do that for my um family, my friends when I was a lot younger when I was in school. So coming back to that now feels so good. But also it's the perfect time because people are quarantined and families, children, everybody's bored. And I just offer I just thought to offer something um, that is, you know, charming and fun and the kids can enjoy and even like adults can enjoy. Books are so universal. It's such a great idea and a good way to connect and offer people an escape during this weird time. Oh, absolutely. So I'd love to for to hear in your own words, kind of, if you could tell us a little bit about yourself and how you came to be a writer. Yeah. Um, so I'm a children's fantasy author. Um, I focus more on children slash YA um, I write a lot of fantasy and a little bit of steampunk. Um, I I am I grew up in Saudi Arabia. I was born in Canada, but I grew up in Saudi Arabia. I lived in Saudi Arabia, the U.S., the U.A.E., and now I'm in Canada. And um, writing has always been a part of my life. Um, I started to quote unquote officially become a writer when I was in sixth grade, but my mom insists that I was a writer even earlier than that. Um, it was it was because when I was a child, I was very often lost in books. And those authors, those characters were like friends to me. And um, it was kind of like a sanctuary for an introverted child. And I don't know, I, it just, it was a moment of revelation for me when I was in sixth grade. And I just, I realized I want to offer this to the world. And I want to be part of this cycle of storytellers that was when i made the decision and here i am i have directed 80 percent of my energy towards my writing after years of diving in and out of professions and like creative paths that weren't for me and i finally came to this culmination of 
you know, experience where I realized that really my truthful self, the most truthful thing I can do in this world is to hunker down and write because that is always what I've wanted to do. And I've pushed it in the back of my mind uh, because of the excuse that I needed to have a quote unquote, you know, profession that other people can understand. And I feel like a lot of writers probably can relate to this. What sparked the idea for Weather Knows It's Your Latest Children's Fantasy Novel? I'd love to hear how that idea came to you and what the writing process was like for that project. Yeah, Weather Knows was this fun, quirky, humorous summer project when I was back in college. I was about maybe 20 or 21 years old when I wrote it. So it was, you know, way back. And I just did it for the sheer fun of it. Like the color of that world, it's a steampunk world, fantasy slash steampunk. It took a while to develop, maybe a year to develop, and I finished it, but then I, I put it on the shelf for a long time, for years and years. And then last spring, I was like, you know what? I love this book, I love this world, I love these characters, and I owe it to myself to go back to this world and share it with everyone else. So I, I took that path and I, I, you know, I found an amazing illustrator who really captured the world perfectly. Like she really got it. Yeah, your books are beautiful. Thank you. Thank you. I, I, I think so too. Could you also explain what steampunk means for some of the listeners that might not know what that genre entails? Absolutely. And I totally understand why you're asking this question because um, even on my Instagram, when I, when I ask people, do you like steampunk? A lot of people... Some people know it and they love it, but a lot of people don't know what it is, so they don't respond. Um, steampunk, and the best wording I can use is the wording that I used before I knew what steampunk is. So when I was when I was in high school, I loved steampunk, except that I didn't know that it, there was a name for it. And I used to call it, it's those kinds of worlds where it looks Victorian, but it's also modern and has a lot of technology. It actually is a celebration of steam, as a uh, source of energy. Gotcha. Okay, that makes sense. But really, for a lot of steampunk lovers, it's the aesthetic that gets them. The costumes, the gadgets, the the, the machines. I lo- and I'm sure a lot of steampunk novels are, it sounds like it translates really well to cinema and film. Absolutely. Yeah. Because it's it's visually beautiful to look at. Is that what drew you to read and write steampunk and children's fantasy, kind of the aesthetic, the dramatic visualization of it? I don't know if it was a conscious decision. I feel like it kind of it kind of crept into my work without me being conscious of it. Because like I said, it I only recently, or not recently, but like when I was doing my master's is when I real is when I was when I found out that this image that I had in my mind is called steampunk. There is a word for it. But I wrote Weather Knows way before that. And I didn't know that it had a name. It's just that it, it's that that energy that 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 vibe kind of stole into my writing without me without me making a decision about it. That's amazing. So kind of on that vein, you're also not just a fiction writer, but you're also a multi talented storyteller. You have had two films in 2016 and 2014 screened at the Cannes Short Film Corner, which is incredible. I want to know how that experience was. 
but also I'm curious to know which medium you prefer. It kind of feels like it's two different hats, screenwriting versus writing a novel. Oh, totally. Making those two films, uh, so one of them is called Munakir, which is manicure or nail polish in Arabic. And it was a film about a Saudi housewife in the 1970s who's trying to spark the romance back in her, um, in her marriage. Um, so she plans this romantic holiday in Cairo with her husband, but his business venture comes in the way. And um, it was a short film. It was my thesis film for grad school, film school. I loved making that film because I am a little bit obsessed with the 1970s, especially in Saudi Arabia, because it was a very interesting time back then. Production design for that film, I did it myself with the help of someone else, and it was just a delectable process. So for me, that film was more about the visuals, more than the story. And then the other film, which is called Don't Go Too Far, it's a short film about a... Um, young man with a uh, intellectual challenge. He uh, gets accidentally separated from his sister on the New York subway, and he finds himself having to find his way home alone in New York. And he's an Arab, so there's like a, even a language barrier to, to make things worse. This has never happened, but the character is based on my older brother, who uh, is a special needs kid. And um, it's, it's also like me exploring my worst fear about having to take care of him and like the challenges that come up because he's very dependent on us. Uh, so it was a very, very emotional for me to create. And I was, I was, as a director, I was like sobbing the whole way through the production. I can imagine. The actor that we chose was brilliant. Like he spent a couple of hours with my brother and then he got it. He just got it. Like he went with it and he really brought that character to life exactly how I imagined him. So yeah, that was, that was Don't Go Too Far. That was my last film. I still, I'm still a screenwriter. Directing, I like, I respect for all directors out there because it's such a hard job. Oh yeah. Fucking hard job. <laughs> Excuse my French. It's an all consuming job that I enjoyed when I, when I put that hat on, I enjoyed it. But I feel I am driven more towards the writing process. I feel like that is where my, the most of my joy is. While I do respect that profession and that role, I feel like I have leaned more towards what I've always been called to, which is to write. Yeah, no, definitely. Oh, that's so cool. I'm curious to know, though, the differences in writing for you between writing for screen and then writing a novel. One, I would imagine, has a lot more dialogue you have to incorporate. Do you have a preference? At the moment, I am reveling in fiction, in like prose. I do find that when, you're, when you dive into a screenplay, there's something about the format of a screenplay that gives you so much liberty and so much speed. Like the story just pours out of you because you're not expected to write paragraphs and paragraphs of of like description and prose and the character's thoughts and the character's feelings. You have to learn the visual language and you have to be able to do that like really quick and be snappy about it. And you'll find that the story takes form really fast. So it's it's so rewarding. The process of screenwriting is very rewarding because it it gives you that freedom of not being bogged down by 
or quote unquote bogged down by words. But then there's there's another kind of magic when you're writing fiction because it's it's on the other hand, while while it takes a lot of words, like buckets, bucketfuls of words to describe the story and, and get it out there on the page, it's also as an extremely immersive process. That's so beautifully said. Yeah, no, it's true. You get to revel in the language, which is what, as writers, we're drawn to, I think, in novel writing. And then screenwriting, you get to the action a lot quicker. It's fast paced. But there's definitely pros and cons to both. Just to give people an idea of what I mean by the story flows by quickly, in screenwriting, it's actually a minute a page. So you have to think about the number of pages that you're writing, because roughly every page in a screenplay is is a minute of film. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's a great way to think about it. But right now, kind of your day-to-day, your writing routine, you're focused, you were saying, fully on children's fantasy, immersing yourself in that world. What is the writing process like for you? My process for writing children's fantasy is very much inspired by the books that I grew up with. So there are books that I've read over and over and over and over again. And I feel like I've had so many, um, I've paid a lot of tribute to moments in those books um, in my own writing. But the process itself, I would say, is is not something that you can actually like pin down. You can't like, oh, this worked for this book, so like rinse, repeat. No, um, every book will have its own different process. But one thing that I will say is consistent for me is that I try not to dive into a book until I've had until I've built up like the juice tank, you know, like I have the visuals, I have music, I have the feeling of it. I have a moment, snapshots, ideas, like all running around in my head. And once I feel like that tank is full and I feel like I know, like the, the story is clear in my head and I can put it in one sentence, that's when I feel I'm ready to dive in. Because otherwise I just end up with false starts and I end up with like an empty tank and I feel like I'm failing at it. The fantasy novel that I recently finished, I never actually got to writing until I realized that it was speaking for a part of my own life that was deeply emotional. Like it was the story was clear to me. It was clear to me what I was trying to say. It was clear to me what the story was about. That's when I was ready to write it. And I had already like accumulated the like juicy inspiration for it, the images, the moments, the the visuals, the music. I had had already spent years accumulating that. And that's, it it just needed for me to arrive at that place of clarity. Amazing. You already embodied the whole theme. So it was probably just flowed through you when you sat down to actually write. Right. But then I could also contradict myself and say that both Weathernose and The Road to Elephants were just you know, sprees of curiosity, where I had a character, I saw a visual of a character, and I just threw stuff at him, and I wondered what what he would do next. And then there you go, I had the story. But Weather Knows was not written in one shot, because it didn't become clear to me what it was. Again, I had to have that moment where it became clear to me what the story was about. And, and that clarity came when Cyprus his nemesis showed up and I realized, boom, this is what the story is about. And I went for it. Amazing. Yeah. He definitely needed a foil. 
What made you decide to self-publish both of your books? I'd love it if you could talk about the pros and cons, as I know a lot of our listeners are debating between traditional and self-publishing. Well, the reason that I went for self-publishing with Weathernos is because of the word count. I'm going to be very honest. Um, I didn't send it out to traditional publishers because I knew that the word count is not something that, that they would accept. So I took the self-publishing route. And also, I had fun choosing the illustrator who did my book. And I had fun creating that kind of branding on my own. I don't think that one or the other is the best route to go. It's really just, it's really what you want to create for yourself. The novel that I recently finished, and I, I, I would say that once this novel is published, it would I would call it my debut fantasy novel. I... I would prefer to have it traditionally pu- traditionally published. So it's really depends on the project. It depends on what kind of experience you want to have. And what I'm constantly being told is that whether you go for the traditional route or the self-published route, you are still going to have to build an author platform. 1,000%. So this is a message for all those of you who are listening, who want to be authors or who want to publish you have to do the work. No one is going to do it for you, at least at the beginning. No one is going to do it for you. And I, and I, I feel like I, I wouldn't say wasted, but a lot of years went by where I thought that, oh, I'm going to be discovered. Oh, somebody's going to find me and they're going to help me. Oh, I can just hire someone. No, you have to do the work because I feel like a lot of, I think a lot of um, the traditional publishing houses now because of social media are going to rely on the author putting in their weight oh absolutely even if you're at a big publisher and your book comes out help you promote it get it out there and then it's all back on the author to keep that name recognition to build a platform so either route 100 percent, you said it perfectly if you're a hybrid author traditionally or self-published it all falls back on you you have to do the work So I also love with self-publishing, I think the pro that you mentioned is that you have full autonomy over the creative process and full royalties. So it, again, it definitely, like you said, depends on the project. And I love that you're exploring kind of being a hybrid author. So I would love if you could tell us about WonderQuest, which is your online event that you created to help women connect with their spirituality and their creative selves. Yeah, I hosted WonderQuest in 2017 and 2018, I think. Or maybe, no, it was 2018, 2019, sorry. The first time I ran it was, uh, was it was because it was coming from where I was coming from. And in 2018, I was coming from a place of exploring my own spirituality. And I wanted to host an event for a community who's doing the same thing. And it just it just came from a place of, I don't know. I was doing a, I was doing this vision board and it just came to me and I hosted it and it was really, really successful. I got to connect with so many amazing spiritual speakers and uh, thinkers and leaders. The second time around, I wanted to kind of pivot a little bit and focus on the creative process and help authors to, or, or writers to find their voice, 
refine their process and be able to actually finish a project. One of the most important things about being a writer is that you find your sense of community, you find your tribe because it's isolate. It's very isolating writing in solitude and you're alone with your thoughts, self-doubt can creep in. So I think it's incredible that you created WonderQuest to kind of bring these people and women together. Yeah. And it was, it felt like a safe place for people to share their vulnerabilities as well. I love asking people kind of about their goals and their dreams for the future, because I always think when you say it out loud, it gives it a place to manifest. So I'm curious to know what you hope to accomplish in the future as a writer. The word legacy really comes up for me when you ask that question. I've always wanted to, like I said, to be part of the wheel of storytellers and to leave behind something that children can always come back to. Just as I always went back to the Narnia books um, and so many others, I feel so grateful to have had that space to explore that magic, to you know, to jump into worlds that were not my own. And I've always, always wanted to contribute that in return. So beautifully said, as always. Well, that was perfect. And I would love to go through the rapid fire if you're ready. I am. Okay. So your favorite book or a book that really spoke to you? I would say Rilla of Ingleside, which is the last book in the Anne of Green Gables series. A lot of people who are familiar with the Anne of Green Gables series, they don't know that that it's actually eight books and that the last book is about Anne's daughter and it takes place during World War I and it's the most beautiful, heartbreaking book in the series. So who is your favorite author? Um, It changes all the time, but right now it's Philip Pullman. Ooh, why? The Philip Pullman series, His Dark Materials, came out, I think, around the time that Harry Potter was still like taking the world by storm and I was I was in high school back then and I was a Harry Potter buff and I had no time for any other kind of book um but I read it a few years like maybe three years ago I started reading his books and I realized that I'm so grateful to have read it at the time when I read it because I don't think I would have been prepared for the magnificence um if I had been younger reading them and now I'm just I'm so hooked I think his world building is impeccable what is your favorite genre to read and write? Is it the same? Is it different? Fantasy, always fantasy. What is your drink of choice while you're writing? Tea or coffee. How do you take your tea or coffee with milk? Nope, no milk, no sugar. So what is your snack of choice while writing? At the moment, it's Oreos. Mm, I could eat a whole sleeve of those as well. What is your favorite time of day to write? Well, when I'm when I get going, I could I could write all day, but I would say my favorite time is evening. Where is your favorite place to write? My bed. So, are you a plotter or a pantser? And for people who don't know what that means, a plotter is somebody who outlines and plots their books in advance, and then a pantser is somebody who kind of goes by the seat of their pants and lets the story unfold as they write. I would say both. Sometimes I plot and I have an outline and everything, but then I always, always, always leave room for, for, you know, spontaneity and just letting the characters do what they want. I feel like an outline 
can be important just to give you a sense of safety that you have a plan, but you can always scrap the plan. Love it. Who or what inspires you? Mm, Liz Gilbert. Yeah, she's a good one. What is the best writing advice you've ever received? Oh, lots. <laughs> I remember Anne Lamott talking about um, when you're in, in a when you're experiencing writer's block um, to kind of get up, leave the writing alone, leave your project alone for a while, and let the little elf that lives in the back of your the little Dr. Seuss elf that lives in the back of your head let them do their work and let them do their sewing, and then you could do something else and then come back. That's always that visual always stuck in my head. And another thing that I learned a couple of years ago from um, um, a, a spiritual speaker or author as well, who talks about the creative cycle, her name is Alexandra Pope. If you can get your hands on, on that teaching somehow, I don't know if it's a book or if it's, if it's on her website, but she talks about the creative cycle and how it's very attuned to the cycles of nature, like the four seasons. So when you're writing, you will be going through four seasons and just the awareness of that and what every season will bring to you in your process makes your life a lot easier because you stop that whole, you know, self-blaming, guilt-tripping nonsense when you're writing because who needs that? Like, it's just, it just makes it worse. When you're in a quote-unquote winter, um, you need to allow yourself to be in winter and let the things grow under the earth and just go do something else. Um, instead of like sitting in front of your computer and just like banging yourself on the head. Oh, that's the perfect way to compartmentalize it. Absolutely. Perfect. Okay, well, I will leave all of your links in the show notes for this episode so everybody can connect with you. It's been such a pleasure speaking with you. Honestly, it inspires me speaking with other writers and hearing about your process and your craft and your passion for books. So thank you so much for taking the time to speak with me today and speak on the podcast. Absolutely. I really, really enjoyed this. You're awesome. And I don't know, I, I just want to say something. I just, I think your voice is very, you know how you say about somebody like they're photogenic. I think your voice is, I don't know what the word for that is for, for somebody's voice. <laughs> Thank you. Likewise. Yeah, it's perfect for a podcast. That is so funny because the, I can't even listen to the sound of my own voice on an answering machine often. <laughs> I really enjoyed this, um, this conversation. And I really hope that, you know, listeners can come join me in my world. Um, you can join my, you can, you know, subscribe to my newsletter. You can take a look at weather knows if, if that is um if that sounds fun for you i really look forward to connecting with some of you that's perfect and the perfect way to end thank you so so much thank you louise that's it for today's chapter of the word weaver podcast thank you so much for listening you can find the show notes at louiseclairejohnson.com slash podcast and you can follow us on instagram at word weaver podcast if you like what you heard today, I would love it if you considered leaving a review on Apple Podcasts as it helps more people find out about the Word Weaver. Until next time!